0: You are listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. This is your girl Yazzie Speaks on another episode of Millennial Minds. This evening, we have Miss Nicole Kelly. She is a disability advocate and activist, and she is also Miss Iowa 2013. She ran on the national stage at Miss America in 2013. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much, girl. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. So tell us, tell us uh, your story from the beginning. Sure. Yeah. So I was
1: born with, um, I have my right hand, but my left hand I do not have. So what I do have is I have my left arm down past my elbow, Mm -hmm. um, but it, my arm goes just about an inch past my elbow, and it stops. And the doctors aren't totally sure why or what happened. The most that they can tell my mom is in the first couple of weeks of growth um, in utero, something happened where my arm just stopped growing. Mm. Nothing else um, was physically changed or different. Everything internally as well. Nothing. Is different there. I just happened to, to pop out with one hand, which was quite a shock. My parents didn't know that that was going to happen. Um, but uh, really, for all intensive purposes, I lived growing up um, a very relatively able-bodied life. I played all the sports you can ever imagine in my small Iowa town. I danced forever, um, I swam, I was a lifeguard for a long time during high school and even into college. Uh, very much I just learned to live life making adaptments and making adjustments to living with only having my right hand.
0: Wow, wow, but it sounds like you you still lived a, a normal child. you still had a normal well well normal is, is subjective, but you you had an enjoyable childhood. Absolutely.
1: I mean, I think I was really lucky in the sense that I was the third child. I have an older brother and an older sister. Mm. I'm the baby. And so by the time I came around um, and I had something that was a little bit different, my parents essentially became the, you can do it. There are no excuses. Keep up with your older brother and your older sister. Mm. If they can do it, you can do it. So I'm very thankful that um, they kind of passed that attitude along to me, and that really was the attitude that I adopted. I think uh, the other advantage that I have is because I grew up in a small town. Everybody in my hometown just knew who I was, which made it very much a safe bubble where people didn't ask questions because people knew my parents and had watched me grow up and had watched me adjust and... You know, so I wasn't constantly having to um, justify or prove myself necessarily because I was kind of living in this safe bubble where people knew who I was. And I think that that worked to my advantage confidence-wise and really being able to experiment in my young years and, and figure out how to do things as I was growing up.
0: Wow. Wow. That That's... I, I love it. I think it's great. Um, and just you... Yourself, um, your spirit, your person, you definitely uh, defy odds um, and your story is very important, particularly in this day and age in the 21st century. So if you could tell us. um, So everyone, Miss Nicole here uh, has a prosthetic arm and hand, a.k.a. a bionic arm. She Mm -hmm. is, she represents um, the 21st century and beyond in technology. (laughs) She is a gorgeous woman, by the way. Very beautiful, very talented, very intelligent, very inspirational on Instagram. Uh, So tell us uh, when you, when you, you know, tell us the story behind the bionic arm and hand. How old were you when you were able to have this experience How did you find out about it? And, you know, what has life been since then? Sure, yes.
1: And thank you for all those kind compliments. Oh, I mean Uh every
0: word. I mean every word.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right back at you, girl. Um, Yeah, no, it is. We're in a super, super cool and super interesting time where technology really is stepping in and, starting to become what the futuristic movies made it out to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are in a really cool era where prosthetic hands traditionally, so a very kind of short history is someone like me who was born with just one hand. If you went to a conference where there were hundreds of us gathering, which those do happen. And usually I'm there. um, when, When you go to those, you will never see any of us wearing prosthetics. And the history behind that is it's just easier when you're born the way that we're born to figure out how to do things with, you know, for me, it's the end of my elbow and my hand. Mm -hmm. But now we're in a place where technology has advanced enough that really they have figured out ways to start making it work to our advantage advantage, prosthetists have, mm-hmm. um, and they've really started to figure out ways where it can be useful. So here, you know, I am in my mid-20s, have, have grown up trying prosthetics, but always not liking them, had figured I probably would never use one ever again, and I happen to be speaking at a conference full of prosthetists. Mm-hmm. and I was kind of wandering around the trade show booth after I spoke just to say hello and meet people. And there was a company there that asked me to sit down and try their product. Mm. And what their product was is it, it reads your muscle movements, your patterns. So at the end of my arm, this intelligent computer could read my different muscle movements. And based on those muscle movements, It could store that in its memory, and it could remember when I moved my muscles one way, that meant make the hand at the end point. When I moved it another way, that meant close the hand. It it has all of these um, ways to intelligently store that, and it blew my mind because I was like, oh my gosh, we are in the future right now oh Oh, that is amazing
0: i can i've only seen this in videos and i just can only imagine how just how amazing how cool it
1: was mind-blowing and i like i had said it i had been someone who had really kind of written off um technology as being helpful to me now why is that
0: why did you write it off did you have a bad experience with it or you just decided oh that's not for me i can i can well
1: just Kind of growing up, it never was helpful because technology hadn't advanced. It really, what they would do is they would put a heavy hand on the end of my elbow mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be able to open and close. It would be uncomfortable. It would be heavy. There there wasn't a way for it to read my muscles mm-hmm. the way that it now can read them. So it just, it was way more work than it was worth to try to learn how to use one, mm-hmm. which Yet again, I know, you know, if you're listening, you're thinking, yeah, but like if you work with it and figure out how to use those two hands, it must be easier. And and the best I know how to say is it wasn't. It just was easier to do things with my one hand and my elbow. So I just had kind of given up on that idea. Um, But now this technology has caught up to a place where it is able to be helpful. So that's what I'm doing now for about six months now I've been it's only very been six months it's, it's only been so technically yes yes it's been six months I got it in the
0: summer and summer it, of 2017 just last year wow. yes wow I thought you had this for a long time wow okay
1: yeah so it which is crazy to think about really that's when I started consistently wearing it and trying to learn it and figure it out and you know, I'm not going to lie. It's it's hard just because I'm not used to having two hands. Mm-hmm. But the technology is exciting, and it is in a place where it it's hopeful. It's just a matter of me learning to adjust to it. So it's been um, a big change, but also a fun change. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been quite the experience. Nice. Um, I've learned. I think the biggest lesson that I've learned, or had to come to, like Re- the, the biggest expectation that I had to readjust mm-hmm. is that although, yes, it is very helpful, I still will be taking it on and off throughout the day depending on what I'm doing. Um, so, for example, I type very, very quickly on a keyboard with my one hand, and I actually use my elbow to type. It helps me type. I use it for, like, Shift and S and A. Mm-hmm. So when I put on the prosthetic hand, it, it slows me down, and I probably will never slowly peck with the prosthetic hand. So, you know, if I'm sitting down to type, I'll pop it off. And then when I'm done typing, I'll pop it back on. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> yep, every day is coming on and off all the time. I was just going to ask <laughs> you
0: that. Wow, okay. So yeah. tell us now, um, what have you been doing uh, in terms of, your advocacy and activism regarding um, people or individuals with disabilities or physical difference. Um, I I'll say that I notice in in our in our present time that there are certain terms and phrases and words. Uh, descriptive words and I think a lot of people are trying to get away from them and disability tends to have a negative connotation for some reason so explain to us you know what it is that you do why you see it as important and also your perspective on the term disability what that means to you and how you empower others through your story and your experience sure absolutely um so You are absolutely right.
1: Disability, that word specifically gets a really bad rap. But ultimately, the disability is a community of really strong, really adaptable, really wonderful people. So a big kind of, I would say, like bullet point of what I'm really trying to change or what I'm trying to do is to change change the connotation of what, disability means. When you hear that word, instead of thinking pity, instead of thinking bad, um, I want you to think powerful. I want you to think strong. Mm. And not, when I say you, I don't I don't mean people who are able-bodied. I mean people within my own community. Mm. A lot of people who live life like me, I mean, even specifically having one hand, still don't like the word disability. And I think it's so important for us to call ourselves what we are, and to have pride in what we are and who we are and this amazing community that we are a part of, um, you know, as far as, as laws and rights go, we still are very much fighting. In, in 1990, the Americans with Disabilities Act was mm-hmm. passed, and that was huge because that really um, changed a lot of laws and held companies very much accountable no, when it comes to things like health care, especially now in the current situation, um, health care is wildly threatened. People's independence who live with disabilities really um, count on having home health aides, count on having people. like There are all these assistive devices, mm-hmm. my hand being one of them, yes. that can, can really be threatened by, by acts of Congress and acts of Senate and decisions that they make. So in order to be active and in order to fight at that level and really be active and really be, um, you know, making a difference, first, we're at step one, where I'm really just trying to rally the troops and remind them that we are proud to be a part of this community. And, mm-hmm. you know, this we still are fighting for lots of things. And yes, some good things have happened over the past 30 years. But, you know, we still have a ways to go and our brothers and sisters who maybe live who um, live a life that is a, even more um, less able than we may be, may need home health care aid. They may need very expensive tests done on a regular basis. They may need a very expensive um, wheelchair that helps them get around. Whatever that may be, you know, my brothers and sisters with disabilities, you know, we should be fighting for them, and we should be proud to fight for them. Yes. Um, so that was that was a whole mouthful, but that's kind of the the idea of, of what's being worked on and
0: it it's,
1: it's uh, that's the big picture and it can be overwhelming sometimes, but certainly um building working to build relationships and working to kind of cultivate pride is is my immediate goal and what I've really been actively working on right now. Mm.
0: Thank you for the work that you do, Nicole. It sounds like your next move should be coming right back here to Washington, DC to be right (laughs) there at the white house and, you know, Capitol Hill and everything and lobbying for, for uh, healthcare for specifically for your brothers and sisters um, with disabilities.
1: Yeah, I mean it's certainly very important, and I've been a part of um, I've been a part of Hill days that have happened for MPPs going in and, and talking to representatives and
0: such. And wow, oh, you're already um, there. You're already there. Well,
1: it, it, uh, there are certainly I know people in the organizations, and I have friends who are passionate about doing it, and I, I've done it, and um, it's important. It's wildly important it is. So I, I'm proud of the fact that there are. Uh, organizations who are mobilizing and organizing and really making those days happen. It's important.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So tell us about your decision to what made you decide to participate in a pageant and particularly uh, locally as Miss Iowa and then to go on to Miss America. So tell us what that, you know, what caused you to make that decision And what that experience was like and what was it like to be on the national Miss America stage? Not that many women can say that they've had that awesome, amazing, probably very tedious and nerve-wracking experience. Yeah, it
1: was a, I mean, you're right. It was a lot of emotions. (laughs) Um, uh, But in reference to kind of what we're talking about, really that experience going to the national stage of Miss America, I, when I won Miss Iowa, and, you know, it's known right away that, of course, whoever wins Miss Iowa, Miss Maryland, Miss whatever state you may be, they are going to the national Mm -hmm. stage. And I immediately actually became World News. And the World News was... Really? Wow. So was that your first pageant? I, that was my first year competing, yes. Wow. So I but that scared me because the the news all of the headlines were disabled girl going to miss america
0: oh goodness and
1: i well and you know what at this at this point in my life i would be wildly proud to be that person and mm-hmm. to be on those news stations and and saying yeah that's right i'm disabled and you know what? I still have learned how to curl my hair as big as Texas in order to walk on that Ah, stage, right? I love it. You I know? love like, it.
0: I just think, you know, disabled girl, like, you know, I just sound, it just sounds right? kind of like, like, uh, oh, you mine, could give her a little bit more than, you know, girl. I don't
1: thank know. you. Well, well, also that, right? <laughs> but, it um, yeah, it was very hurtful and very ex- Extremely it was it caused an identity crisis and it caused me to look around and say, number one, oh, my gosh, do I have a disability, which the answer is yes. And I, obviously, as we've talked about, I found that it's an amazing community of people I love, but I, I did not consider myself to be someone who had that. Um, so, yeah, So it, this it, it, was it, probably
0: it, your first time out of the comfort zone in which you grew up. And so now right everyone else and the bigger world and society are giving you a label or giving you a title and saying, Oh, this is what you are. And, and like making it, making sensationalizing it as media has a tendency to do.
1: Correct. You
0: know, the fact that maybe it was sort of, uh, maybe they're making it as if it's uncommon or unusual for. And it's
1: kind of, when it comes to media and news, it you're right. It's, it's kind of twofold also in the disability world where, yes, it was, they were making it, you know, this is a big deal because this is a beauty contest and is disability beautiful? You know, that's, that's one context. Mm -hmm. And then the other context is when the news and media talk about disability, they always take the spin of inspiration. And so, Oh, that's good. good her isn't that oh. sweet, but oh, but it's you. in a way that's not good. So you're right. It can be, inspiration absolutely can be good. You're right. Yeah, like, it is. But like in this case, it was like, oh, good for her. Isn't it great that she could go to Miss America, even though she has a disability? Wow. But so really yeah. was dealing with those two big picture ideas that I have never personally come face to face with. Mm. And, you know, that was, it was really, really hard and has caused me to, you know, run down the path that I'm now running on, which, you know, of course I am thankful for. But, you know, with that being said, there was a lot of, a lot of hairspray, a lot of sparkle. The (laughs) girls who go to Miss America are so intelligent and so um, kind and so community service, just minded. They are incredible. I can't say enough good about the girls who actually show up and represent on that stage. Um, So I found a really amazing community of strong women, and that Mm -hmm. I also credit a lot for having the courage to kind of run down this path that I've run down because I've been surrounded by those women in my life.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I agree. Uh, Something about Mm -hmm. um, pageants and pageantry, that if you're fortunate enough, which most of us who have done pageants, most of us are, you, you find yourself in this sisterhood. And you make lifelong friends and you and yes, the women are very beautiful and intelligent and inspirational. And I think that we definitely have to continue to break some of the, you know, mindsets that people have about who pageant women are. Because, you know, there are stereotypes and things like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, So let me ask you this. Was your. Was your platform for Miss Iowa, was that the same platform that you carried to Miss America or because of all of the media and, and the attention that you were getting as a result of making, making first place to go on to nationals, um, did that change your platform? Well, it stayed the same, okay. but if I were to go back, it would
1: be different here's the distinction uh what my platform was is it was around my difference it was talking about my disability but the message was I am no different than you Mm -hmm. I am no different than any of the other girls on the stage Mm -hmm. now if I could go back in time and redo the experience my message would be I am different but that's okay and i'm still beautiful and i'm still intelligent and i'm still you know all mm-hmm. of the and that go along with that mm-hmm. um, i was i was working so hard to convince people that there was no difference when that simply is not true there is a difference but that's okay does yeah, that make sense
0: it makes perfect yeah. trust me it makes perfect sense it makes perfect yeah. sense it makes perfect sense and even um even myself, I struggle with, you know, being in the fashion industry um, and even with, as they call plus or full figured models, mm-hmm. curve models. There's still limitations, you know, and so I have to make it, 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 it. It's difficult, you know, because I have to make it a point to say, hey, I am different. My body is different than the most of these curve models that you that you know are working in the industry um and are working yeah. in print and and catalog and e-commerce, right? You know, those are the ones that are being seen. So I I can completely and as a child of an incarcerated parent like I can completely mm-hmm. understand, but I love I love this message and I love this evolution in your thought process that you know, mm-hmm. it, it's OK. It's OK to recognize difference. But but, you know, that that can be that can be and usually is all the more empowering. Yeah. Well, we I mean,
1: I mean, I think you and I are in this really interesting slice of history where it's starting to be possible mm-hmm. for these types of, you know, differences to be seen, even though both of us are quite normal, mm-hmm. but are not, you know, people who are regularly seen and news prints or on yes. TV or whatever it may be. And so it's cool because we're, society is starting to open up to those ideas and starting to look for us. But at the same time, you know, we, so we get to be kind of the, the people who are pushing it and maybe kind of experimenting and doing it for the first time, but also kind of sort of at least my sad reality is the fact that really I was never in a place where I could fully dream it because nobody had really built that path for me.
0: Uh, so I'm trying
1: to think You are of it a trailblazer. Like girl, yeah, I'm trying to because I want I want the next generation to be able to dream that and do it
0: you know yes. so <laughs> I don't yes. know if that makes
1: sense yes or no, make it, it my makes thinking is wrong in that but it, like no uh,
0: it makes perfect sense <laughs> trust me you know I
1: yeah
0: I would love to that would be a dream come true to be on a national I mean this is just for me personally like to be on yeah. a national stage like Miss America um or miss yeah. USA but like my body type, and thus far, has has not quite been represented It hasn't been represented, so you know, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think
1: that 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 is something that needs to change. This period, no more needs to be said. That's
0: something that needs to change.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: I don't know. I don't know. We're fighting for it. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So tell tell us more. Um, in in a in a couple minutes about uh what you know what so you've shared with us your experiences up to this point and your message. So what is it that you, you also go to school, local schools and colleges, universities. Uh, so just tell us more about, about, you know, what life looks like now and, and what you do in terms of your speaking. Sure. Absolutely. So
1: when it comes to, um, disability related things, I, uh, full-time for a while. It's, it's not my full-time job anymore, but full-time was speaking at elementary, middle, high schools, and colleges and universities across the country. Mm-hmm. So I, for real, lived on airplanes and in my car. And that was a fantastic experience. And I've literally talked to hundreds of thousands of people and mm-hmm. had the opportunity to, you know, stay in the homes of people who have welcomed me with open arms to, you know, be in their homes and feed me food on their table, which I wouldn't trade for the world. Mm. Um, Now I'm doing that. Now my my shift hasn't, my my focus hasn't changed because I still think that the way to change ideas and perceptions is to tell people your story and to talk about it. Yes. Uh, it's just kind of changed almost into uh, I'm wanting to spread that message to the other people who are kind of living in my circle of being the leaders within this disability group that I'm in and wanting to kind of lead the charge of them. Mm-hmm. I don't, yet again, I don't know if that makes sense, but yes, absolutely. I've gone. The point, <laughs> the point, though, is that, yeah, I've, I have and continue to go into elementary, middle, high school, colleges and universities, community events, whatever it may be, um, I go in and I, I tell my story. That really, always when going into specifically kind of group settings when I'm in person, my want is to be able to share my story, number one, and then number two, to make it very clear that this is a safe space where they can ask me, any question that they want about my disability, about my difference, because a lot of times there's shame associated with asking questions and wanting to be curious about difference. Mm -hmm. And I just want to take that shame away. So that kind of in going into those situations always is, and was when I was doing it full time, my major goal. Um, But yeah, it's, it, has been, is, was incredible to really. I, I mean, I've gone across the country from California to New York and everywhere in between. Um, just driving into tiny towns, driving into big towns, mm-hmm. speaking in the middle of New York City, speaking in the middle of San Francisco, driving to nowhere in Kentucky. Um, yeah, just being on the road, really having the chance also at a young age to, well, to be able to see our country and to experience kind of the different pockets of our country it has also been a really, I think cool and invaluable experience as well. So that anyway, yeah, so that was, that was long-winded. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's
0: fine. It's so wonderful. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for all that you represent and who you are yeah. and what you do for sharing your story. It's so important. Thank you for sharing your story here at Millennial Minds and uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and also your website. Yeah, Absolutely. So you can find me on
1: Instagram. I am at Nicole G. Kelly. My middle name is Georgia. So that's what the G is for. Mm -hmm. Nicole G. Kelly. And Facebook, I am Nicole Kelly. You can find me that way. And then my website is com. You -hmm. can find me. There are ways to contact me there. All of those ways.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we are... At Millennial Minds, we are your cheerleaders. Um, we we are we can well if you allow us, you know, to consider ourselves as cheerleaders for you and a support system. So if there's anything that I can ever do, um, you know, definitely don't be a, just let us know.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it so much, and I love I love all that you are doing. So thank you as well. Thank you, Nicole.
0: All right. Well. Everyone, thank you again. Thank you for tuning in to Millennial Minds with Yazzie Speaks. You are listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. Until next time, peace.